You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast uh, on a Thursday, a preview edition. We're week 14. I can't believe we're 14 weeks into the 2023 journey, but here we are in the Texans sitting at 7-5, and five, tied with three other teams in the wild card race in the AFC. Um, one of those teams is not their opponent. The New York Jets are very much out of it right now. They're four and eight on the season, but that is the opponent on Sunday in New York. For the first time in about a month, the Texans will be hitting the road for an NFL football game, and we'll preview it in this episode. Welcome in. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. mornings. And I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com. Live from his dining room, John McClain. And um, John, you and I were just talking before we went on air. Um, and we're going to dig into this game a little bit more. But I think you and I are feeling the same about this game right now, which is appropriately worried due to weather, the Texans' inability to run the football. And the worry that you and I have has been reflected in the betting line on this game, which opened at six and a half, got up to seven at one point, and now is all the way down to three and a half for the, uh, the Texans favored in this game. I think it's because people look at the Texans' running game and they see how pathetic it's been other than those two games with uh, Devin Singletary. And when it's raining and it's windy and that stadium can be very windy, um, that's going to hurt a passing game. Should hurt a passing game. And so the conditions are not going to be good. And plus the Jets got a great defense, but the one thing they don't do well is stop the run. But you know what? They just played Denver, the worst run defense in the league, and they couldn't run on them either. So nope. – uh, it, it It's weird saying an upset. Texans could be upset on the road. I can't remember the last time I said that. Uh, yeah, they haven't been road favorites very much over the last few years, that's for sure. Um, so we'll dig more into the game. But, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, con- I'm concerned about this game uh, for sure uh, for a variety of reasons. We'll do that in the six-pack shortly here on this episode of the podcast. I guess, John, just to start off, let's get into a few um, kind of news, notes, things going on with the Texans right now. Um, good news, Derek Stingley Jr., the fourth Houston Texan, fourth right there, there we go, um, uh, to win uh, Player of the Week award. Derek Stingley Jr., AFC Defensive Player of the Week on the heels of his two-interception performance against the Denver Broncos on uh, Sunday. Both interceptions came in the second half. I thought both came at huge junctures in the game with the Broncos looking to take the lead. It was a one-score game. In both instances, 16 to 10 when he intercepted his first pass. And then when he made the the interception that's getting replayed all over the place, the one where he closed all that ground on Cortland Sutton and made that lunging 
interception on a deep ball. Uh, the score is 22-17 at the time, and it was the fourth quarter. So Stingley joins Blake Cashman, C.J. Stroud, and Devin Singletary as Player of the Week winners. John, what did you think of Stingley winning Player of the Week this week? I bet it was a hard decision over Will Anderson Jr. because Will Anderson Jr. had a stat line that only two players in history have had, and one of them was J.J. Watt. But Stingley took the ball away. That first interception that was created by Will Anderson Jr. tipping the uh, Russell Wilson's pass came when he was on his knees. The second one came when he was flying through the air like a acrobat, high wire act, and uh, and he was great. There's a stat that uh, Next Generation Stats has called Hawk something about getting your hands on a ball, and he's gotten his hands on 50% of the passes thrown to the guy he's covering. And this game with uh, Sauce Gardner, who last year while Stingley was languishing on the bench with a hamstring injury for the last nine games, Sauce Gardner got all kinds of attention, was voted National Football League uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Even though they're not on the same side of the ball and won't be going against each other, it's still going to see interesting to watch and see which one of those guys has the best game. And even though Stingley will never say it, you know it means a lot to him. It would have been interesting if Tank Dell were out there to see how they would have used Sauce Gardner. I think now it's pretty evident, like Sauce Gardner is probably going to be on Nico Collins for this game, I would guess. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't watched every snap of Jets football this year to know what else is in the secondary, other than to know that Sauce Gardner is their best player in that secondary. So that would have been interesting to see how Sauce would have been deployed if you have what essentially are the two number one wide receivers for the Texans, Tank Dell and Nico Collins. Instead, I think he's he's probably going to follow Nico Collins around. That well, I'm curious. Does he follow the top receiver everywhere as he stay on sides? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, a lot of these a- great corners don't follow them all over the field early in their career, and uh, Tank would have made a difference. But uh, if indeed he stays on his side, then I would put Nico Collins on the other side, but he's yeah. going to get double that way. Uh, Nico's going to get a lot more attention, but you want to be recognized as a great receiver. You got to put up with it like Andre Johnson did in his career and DeAndre Hopkins did in his career. So I can't see what kind of, I can't wait to see the connection that CJ Stroud and Nico Collins have at MetLife Stadium. I agree with you. So uh, congrats to Derek Stingley Jr. As far as the injury report goes, John, and we'll see another one later today on Thursday, but the first injury report, I wasn't super shocked or alarmed by anybody that wasn't practicing. It's just a lot of it's several guys who don't practice on Wednesdays. Um, probably the most noteworthy thing on the injury report is that Dalton Schultz was limited and did practice yesterday with a hamstring injury. As you've pointed out, hamstrings usually feel like multiple week things, but if Dalton Schultz is practicing this week, limited i would guess he's going to be limited each day and then maybe listed as questionable at the end of the week with a hamstring but it looks like he might play if he's practicing early in the week here if he could that would give him a kind of a two-headed monster at tight end because brevin jordan showed what he was capable of against the broncos while schultz was out but man he would make a big difference it's still amazing to me that stroud had the kind of game he had without tankdale dalton schultz uh Robert Woods and Noah Brown catching a pass. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, a heavy dosage of Nico and uh, protecting the football, obviously too, was a big deal in that game. You know, you don't throw any picks. He was lucky enough to have Dario Gumbawale fall on the one fumble that he had. So that was, that was good too. Um, John, the other thing injury report wise, who's not on the injury report because he's still on injured reserve is Kaimi Fairbairn, who the, the rumor mill last week had suggested that, this would be the last we'd see of Matt Amendola and Kaimi. The Texans would use their final 
return from IR that they have available to them. You get eight for the whole season. They've used seven of them so far. They would use the eighth one on Kaimi Fairbairn. They still could, I suppose, but there's been no news with Kaimi Fairbairn that I've seen this week. I looked at the Texans' website this morning before you and I started recording. He's still listed on their website as being on IR. What do you do? You have any expectations here as to when or if we're going to see Kaimi Fairbairn this weekend? Possibly. Yeah, we're not going to see him in this game. I can't. He'd have to be out there practicing because he needs. When you've missed as much time as he has, yeah, and everything is so delicate with the operation of kicking. Yeah, uh, he would have to be out there. So no, I don't expect him back. Amendola had three field goals and a victory over Denver. I think they're comfortable with him, even though he missed from fifty and fifty-eight yards in the in the previous loss to Jacksonville. But Fairbairn's got to be 100%. We're not talking about a hamstring or calf or anything like that. We're talking about a quad on the front of his leg. And I can't wait till he comes back and we can ask him, how the heck did you get hurt on a 50-yard field goal when you're high-fiving everybody walking off the field? But uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll have him next week. You know, they need him. They're on the road. Yeah, he's a really good kicker. He was having a tremendous season, and uh, they need him back sooner rather than later, that's for sure. Well, John, it looked like on that, to go back to the game he got hurt whenever that was, it looked like the following kickoff is when he got hurt because you could see, if you saw the all-22 view of it, he kicked off, and then he didn't even run down the field. He immediately started looking at the ground like something well, then that's happened. That's it. That's it yeah. on the kickoff. I think that's what happened, yeah. So I think it happened on the kickoff. Um all right, so that's our news and notes, front page news uh, for the Texans this week. Um, and they've been getting a lot of thing. attention. Yeah. One other thing, I wanted, as someone who was heavily involved in the 50th anniversary of the Lombardi Award, thank mm-hmm. Will Anderson Jr., who won it last year. And it's weird. After he won it, I was on the head table to make a presentation. And I went over to him and I interviewed him about Bryce Young because I thought Bryce Young was going to end up in Houston. And, uh, and he was great talking about Bryce, but he came last night. He announced the winner, Liaku Latouf, a defensive end from uh, UCLA, and it was a great event. So th- everybody was fired up. Well, got a standing ovation, of course, when he came out because people are so appreciative of what the Texans are doing, especially what Will Anderson is ju- doing. And now I notice he's in second, and he's closing on Jalen Carter. If he has a game – in MetLife Stadium, Sean, and you know this because you're from up there, that if he has that kind of game, then he's going to get a lot of attention from a lot of voters in the New York, New Jersey area. Be the best thing that happened to him. By the way, Joe Alt said, thank you for being a fan. <laughs> did he? Thank you, John. I appreciate you. He did when I asked you. I, t- I meant to get a video and uh, because I hosted a luncheon on uh, Wednesday where I spent 30 minutes interviewing the four candidates for a group of sponsors and they were a lot of fun and i meant to get an interview with him saying hey sean thank you for being a fan and i (laughs) I just forgot so yeah he said it so nick casario knows how i feel about joe alt just so you know (laughs) that's my annual tradition now i was texting with nick within the last couple weeks and i warned him that uh that uh, i've been formulating my notre dame big board it was kyle hamilton two years ago i forget who it was last year it was Kyle Hamilton in the Kenyon Green year, and I, I can't remember who it was last year for Notre Dame, um, but Joe Alt, yeah, he's he's going to be a high pick. He won't be there when the Cleveland Browns first round pick. No, that the Texans uh, he'll be around. second offensive tackle taken, and whenever somebody needs a second tackle, he's gone. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, John. Um, so let's get to our pregame six pack here. Um, we've sifted through some of the Texans news and the six pack we do to preview the game. Of course, it's the Jets and the Texans in New York on Sunday. Uh, the Texans sit right now as a three and a half point favorite opened as a six and a half point favorite. So a lot of money, a lot of action has come in on the New York Jets over the weekend who announced that Zach Wilson will indeed be their starting quarterback amidst all sort of sorts of drama and controversy over whether or not Zach Wilson even wanted to be the starting quarterback for the Jets. Aaron Rodgers torching the team. Robert Sala fielding all kinds of questions. In that respect, John, the Texans are catching the Jets at a pretty good time just in terms of all the turbulence behind the scenes with the Jets. Not that they're a great football team and you need that turbulence to beat them, but I'd rather have it than not have it. So let's get into the six-pack here, John. And as always, six players coaches storylines whatever that are going to affect the outcome of this game and then we'll give our predictions at the uh, at the end of this john you are up first thank you sean never has the texans offensive line been under more pressure than it will be for this game texans are seven and five they need to win to stay in the race for the afc south title as well as the wild card race new york's defense ninth overall 321 312 yards a game, but their run defense tied for 28 is 136.1 a game, and their pass defense is third. They only given up 176.6 yards a game, and of course the Texans are second in passing, 275.2. But it says here, if they can't run, they just went up against the 32nd run defense. This one's tied for 28. They have to run the ball, especially with the rain and it starts with Devin Singletary and then Damian Pierce. But, man, the offensive line can't keep getting the back's head in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage in a game that is must win. A game and a game that's going to be grimy, to use D'Amico Ryan's word, John. He said he used the word grimy multiple times in his press conference yesterday with the rain and with the way – look, if you're the Jets, that's kind of the game you're going to want to play, just a game that's very mucked up you know, kind of thing, uh, a low scoring game probably favors the jets in some way, you know, just in, in terms of, uh, you know, just in terms of the, you know, sort of the, the ethos of the game. Although the Texans have played some lower scoring. Yeah. Last week's game was not some offensive 
bonanza. You know, 22 to 17 is a, it's a game that's under 40 total points. It's a low scoring game in today's NFL. So who knows? Maybe the Texans are comfortable, but being, and John, that's where my first one is. Like, this is for me, um, the, the, not just the weather, but the Texans, it's been three straight home games. So they haven't been on the road in a month. Um, the, uh, they've, they've played a bunch of, of close games. Um, but I, I just think overall, like this will be, this game's going to feel different than any game they've played this year because of the, the temperature is actually going to be okay. The high is like supposed to be in the low sixties. So it's not going to be cold necessarily, but they played most of their games in immaculate conditions this year, either outdoors and sunny or inside domed stadiums. Um, so I, that's mine. It's just the different feel of being outside, dealing with the elements, dealing with what I'm guessing, even at four and eight, it's a hostile kind of New York crowd that you're going to have in the stadium. They're going to be angry because they're always angry and they're angry at their football team. So how the Texans react to being a favorite on the road in elements that they haven't had to deal with all year and being on the road for the first time in a month, I think this will be a real test of the maturity of this young football team. So that's my first one. Great point. They've passed a lot of tests so far. They're five and three during this eight game stretch in which every game has been decided in the last 30 seconds. And they haven't had one decided, but more than seven points. My second one, Sean is going to be kind of a combination of Derek Stingley Jr. Steven Nelson, maybe Jimmy Ward or Jalen Beatry. The fact is the Jets have scored two offensive touchdowns in five games. They haven't scored more than 13 points in like two months, but uh, they need to intercept Zach Wilson in the first quarter, preferably on the first series, because if they do, the fans will turn on Zach Wilson big time because so many of them think, well, he didn't want to start. They're making him start. He doesn't want to be a jet. He knows he's gone. He's trying to protect himself. And if they intercept him early, those fans will kill Zach Wilson, and they will stay on him. The last thing they can afford with that defense is have him take him down the field to a touchdown. Yeah, John, the part I love about your take is the early part of it, doing it early and taking the crowd out of the game, getting the crowd to turn on the Jets. That's one thing the Texans did last week. It might have been one of my six-pack items, but I know it was a storyline for me, is that in the previous four games, the Texans, they've got off to awful starts in those games. They've fallen behind by double digits in a couple of them. They allowed the first series of the game. They allowed touchdowns to Cincinnati and to Arizona in those games. So they were constantly paddling upstream. That was why those games were so close as the Texans spent all afternoon trying to come back as opposed to getting out and getting a lead. I know that Denver game wound up being very close, but there were certain points in that game. If the referees don't screw up that Desmond King strip fumble call, that game's a blowout. I firmly believe that. There, that was midway through the third quarter. It would have been twenty-three to three. All of a sudden, Denver's completely one-dimensional, and that dimension is Russell Wilson, who was bad. Uh, I know he made a couple nice throws downfield, but he's not a good quarterback anymore. Um, so I like that angle of them getting off to a fast start in this game. They 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 need to get off to a to a fast start. And I can't wait to see. You know, I, I'm anxious to watch Stingley go against Garrett Wilson in this game. You know, former teammate of C.J. Stroud's. I wonder if Stingley is pumping Stroud for maybe some information on Wilson, just tendencies, things that he doesn't like, you know, like, you know, things that you can do to get under his skin, whatever the case may be. Um, Cause those are, you know, Wilson was with uh, Stroud at Ohio state. No, for a couple you know, of they're years. doing that big time. Yep. Yep. And Adrian Amos as well, John, they've sequestered him in a closet and they're pumping him for information on the Jets right now. Absolutely. 
Um, John, my second one is going to be one that you kind of touched on when we were sort of breaking down the game. If Dalton Schultz is indeed healthy and coming back, I'm anxious to see how much that plays a role in not just Dalton Schultz, but also Brevin Jordan, how much maybe some two tight end sets, especially two tight ends that have uh, explosive receiving capability. I think we saw with Jordan last week, he's got that capability. He just hasn't been able to put it all together, but he had three catches and he averaged 20 yards a catch. And he was running guys over too. Like he was running very physical. Dalton Schultz has had a really nice season. Um, the watching the tight ends in this game, the Jets have good linebackers. So that matchup of Dalton Schultz and Brevin Jordan against the Jets linebacking core. And especially with that, that front four that the Jets have getting after the passer, CJ, you know, probably needing some some plays in there that are getting the ball out quickly. That to me spells tight end in this game. Um, so how the tight ends for the Texans match up with the linebackers of the Jets, and obviously that requires Dalton Schultz to be healthy for this game, but provided health, I think the tight ends are going to play a big role because I don't think they're going to be able to run the football. I don't. Like I just say it's the you I know that statistically the Jets aren't a good run defense. Neither of the Broncos, and they couldn't run it against them last week, as you pointed out earlier. So tight ends are my second one for the six-pack. That's a good one. My next one is the Will Anderson Jr. and Jonathan Gennard. They have combined for 13 sacks. Anderson coming off a fantastic game. I think they'll shut down Brees Hall. They shut down both running backs for the Broncos last week. They've been tremendous on run defense. Wilson, I think, will run quite a bit because he'll have to – but if they can hit him early, maybe it's strip sack. Anything to try to shorten the field to help C.J. Stroud in the offense, that'll be great. There are two of them, Grenard and Anderson, are the best twosome in the league, according to the, to the analytical sites, at stopping the run. But now they got to stop the run. they got to get after Wilson, frustrate him, make him worry that he's going to get hurt before he's in free agent and somebody's going to sign him as a backup quarterback and hope the, so new zip, the new zip code will help him be a better backup with no pressure on him. <laughs> and uh, I think this, I think they should get after him because the Jets front, the Jets offensive line has almost as many injuries as the Texans offensive line. Yeah. And D'Amico Ryans could, could sympathize with what Robert Sala is going through with those injuries. But, man, they need to get after Wilson, get after him early. This could be a big finish for Will Anderson to this season, considering who, you know, he's – you know, going against the Jets, the Titans twice, the Browns have a banged up offensive line. Um, this could be a, a really nice finish. And, and as we're going to talk about it for really for Gazy, Will Anderson has seriously closed the gap on Jalen Carter for defensive rookie of the year. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. My last one, John, especially if Kaimi Fairbairn's not kicking, Matt Amendola. All these games have come down to the last 30 seconds. Why not this one come down to the last 30 seconds? So if it does and it comes down to a kick, we're talking about now not kicking in the cozy confines of 72-degree air-conditioned NRG Stadium. We're talking about kicking on the road, which he did in Cincinnati, and to his credit, made a game-winning field goal. Um, but on the road, in rain, potentially in wind, um, how does that affect Matt Amendola if the game comes down to a kick? So I guess overall just the general kicking game for the Houston Texans, but specifically if it's a close game and you got to make a field goal at the end of the game, what does this win do? Amendola makes more field goals that just hug the uprights than any kicker I've seen. So who knows? Maybe the wind helps him out, John. Maybe it blows it back towards the middle in between the uprights. Who knows? But I just know it's awfully tough to kick in conditions like are forecasted for MetLife Stadium on Sunday. So Amendola is my last one. It's scary when he kicks. Even though he's done a good job overall for a guy who was on the street, it's still scary. People hold their breath. Yeah. I've gained a greater appreciation for Kaimi Fairbairn through these last four weeks. Yeah, the good things that, that 
that Amendola has working for him is the same thing that uh, Kaimi Fairbairn has working for him, the best snapper in NFL history. Amen. John Wakes, who is the Texans, Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year uh, nomination, means he's one of 32. Congratulations to John, who is the senior member of the Texans, and he does so much in the community. You know he's a great guy because he went to Baylor. Yeah, absolutely. John? Second Bears. There you go. There you go. Um, how long do you think Weeks plays for? He's always signing one-year deals for the minimum. Hopefully they don't decide, well, he's he's uh, maxed out. You know, he was worried about that for a while, but he's never had a bad snap. Let me knock on wood. And I think they love that consistency they have with him. I, I'm trying to figure out. I think one snapper played for like 16 or 18 years. Yeah, I, I mean, John, he's, he, he's, in season, he's in season 14 right now. Showing um, no signs of letting up. No, he, John, he looks in better shape now than he did earlier in his career. I mean, he's, he's, he, you see him out of training camp. It's hard to tell because he's on the field. He's obviously the closest thing to like just an average Joe that's out there. So he, he looks different than all the guys out there as most long snappers do. He's not quite as big, but when you see him out of training camp, you see him walking around just by himself. Like he's look, he's in really good shape. Like he's, you know, and, and he's, he's not having to hurl his body into a bunch of piles, even though he does from time to time. That'd be cool. I just wonder. He's so he's been doing it 14 years. So he's probably like 36 or 37 years old. I would guess, right? He Something started like that. late too. He'd gone back to Phoenix and he was going to go to to get a job. And he went to a, a, a snappers camp in Arizona. And then somebody saw him and Rick Smith signed him. Yeah, crazy. So he's let's call it 38 at the most. I would say like 40 feels like a good round number for him. I hope he does it forever. I love John Weeks. Um, all right, John. How uh, hard can it be to bend over and snap a football? The hard part is when some guy's over you and he kills you when you start to run down. The and then the running. Yeah, the you know that running is uh, it's a real nuisance. Um, John, what's your prediction on the game? Oh, I'm I'm worried about an upset, but I'm not. I've been picking again, picking the Texans for a while now, so I'm going to keep it up. I think it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to pick the Texans 19 to – wait a minute. I'm going to pick the Texans 17 to 13. Okay. Okay. You and I are on the same page here. Um, I The bottom line for me in this game, the biggest mismatch in this game is D'Amico Ryans, the de facto defensive coordinator for the Texans, against Nathaniel Hackett, the <laughs> offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. I, I cannot envision a world in which – with Zach Wilson at quarterback and Nathaniel Hackett pushing the buttons, which is basically like having a drunk monkey just hitting buttons like this. I cannot envision a world in which Nathaniel Hackett knocks off D'Amico Ryans. 17 to nine will be the final score of this football game. 17 to nine Texans. I don't think it's going to be an offensive explosion monkey. by any means. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> drunk monkey. Boy, if they lose that game, I'm going to kill them. And I'm going to point that out. How in the world could you lose to Nathaniel Hackett well, and Zach Wilson? We, we, we uh, had people point out when I brought that point up on Payne and Pendergast today, Hey guys, they did lose to Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach last year in Denver, which is true, but that was week two of Lovey Smith and Davis Mills, you know, so, and Pep Hamilton. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Rex bleeping Burkhead. Do you Thank know the Jets? You. Remember, they beat the Eagles this season. They did. They did. Absolutely. They beat the Bills week one when Rodgers got knocked out in the fourth play of the game. They still beat the Bills in that game, John, in the season opener. So they've won a couple games. That was a long time ago, but they've won a few games. Um, all right, John, you ready for some for real or fugazis? Let's do it. 
All right. Every Thursday episode, I read several sentences to John. If he agrees with the sentiment expressed in those sentences, he says, that is for real, and then explains why. If he disagrees and he thinks that uh, the sentence is silly, I'm off my rocker, it's just purely false, counterfeit, he says, Bugazi. Bugazi. It's Italian for fake, counterfeit, or Sean is a moron. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get to it here, John. Let's start with, we mentioned Will Anderson. Will Anderson's odds for defensive rookie of the year in one week have gone from 14 to 1 down to plus 140, which means you bet 100 bucks, you win 140 bucks. Whereas last week, you bet 100 bucks on Will Anderson, you'd have won 1,400 bucks. So they've gone, like that game against Denver was a massive shift. Plus, Jalen Carter hasn't done much lately. He's been the odds-on favorite. So the two-man race now is Jalen Carter, still the favorite, and Will Anderson plus 140. John, for real for Gazy, Will Anderson Jr. is going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year this year. I think that's for real, and one reason is now, Carter is going against the Cowboys. It's going to be a tremendous TV audience. There'll be a lot of people watching it, taping it, and if he has a big game against Dak Prescott and the Cowboy running game, he'll get a lot of attention. But if Will Anderson Jr. goes to New Jersey and he has anything near what he's had in the last couple of games, next week he might be favored. John, if C.J. Stroud wins Offensive Rookie of the Year, which he's going to, he's already basically clinched the award. Um, Will Anderson Jr. wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. That, to me, clinches Executive of the Year for Nick Casario. If you draft the Offensive Rookie of the Year and the Defensive Rookie of the Year and do it in such a bold – by the way, the last team I think to do that was the Jets last year, Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. And I'm assuming – I don't know if Joe Douglas won Executive of the Year last year or not. I just know that the moves Nick made on draft night got so much attention because of where those picks were, like up at the tippy-tippy top of the draft. And the Will Anderson Jr. move was so controversial for people who couldn't believe that the Texans were giving up their own first-round pick in that deal. That, John, that because a quarterback is involved and an edge rusher is involved, that goes down as one of, if not the most transformative days in the history of any franchise in the NFL where you drafted – the offensive and defensive rookies of the year at quarterback and edge rusher. And by the way, the quarterback wasn't just offensive rookie of the year. He's having the greatest season of any offensive of any rookie quarterback, maybe in the history of the game. It reminds me of when the Bears drafted Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus. Yeah, Both think about that, how long game, ago that was. <laughs> but neither played in a playoff game. I think Nick's already got locked up. I think the guy we're talking about playoffs for that last game against Indy. We could be talking about coach of the year between Miko Ryans and Shane Steichen. Could be talking about executive of the year between Nick Casario and and uh, uh, Chris Ballard because he signed Gardner Minshew. He got yeah. Zach Moss. He made a lot of good moves. So that game's going to be big for the playoffs, yeah. and it could be big for awards as well. All right. Um, our producer James tells us in the chat that uh, Brandon Bean, the Bills general manager, won executive of the year last year and that uh, he thinks that Joe Douglas finished uh, finished second. So there you go. Um, I think Nick clinches it. If if you got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, the way they went up and did that, and one of them's a quarterback, you're executive of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm um, worried right. that, oh, if they lose to the Colts and they don't make the playoffs, then everybody will be pushing Steichen. I've already heard Maybe. a lot of people talking about Steichen, even though they've beaten bad teams to get to yeah. this point. But uh, that, that last game is going to be big. But they got to keep winning to make it big. 
Yep, no doubt. All right, John, let's keep it moving. The, the Texans play the Jets this week, and we know there's all sorts of drama swirling around the Jets quarterback position, and clearly some people inside the building are saying things to reporters, including Diana Rossini of The Athletic, about Zach Wilson and his stance on whether or not he even wants to be a Jet anymore. Who is leaking this? Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show and talked about all the chicken bleep going on behind the scenes with the New York Jets. John, for real or for gazy? Aaron Rodgers is actually the mole that's leaking things to the media about Zach Wilson. <laughs> Fugazi. <laughs> uh, I heard Rich Zamini has covered him forever on uh, NFL radio say it wasn't it. Wilson went to Sala and said, I don't want to play. He said he probably was talking to a player or a position coach about, about what's in store for the rest of the year in the offseason. And then it got out somehow. And it's, it is terrible. It's made him look horrible. And he can't get out of there soon enough. It's amazing when you think Zach Wilson, like C.J. Stroud, was the second overall pick in the draft. Yep, it's incredible. Just it's, a, I think it works both ways too, John. It's not only for teams about what year you get that second pick and make sure the quarterback's there. I think it works both ways. Having read the article in the Athletic yesterday that Rossini and Joe Person collaborated on to talk about all the dysfunction behind the scenes in Carolina with Bryce Young, you read that article. And granted, it's 20 people inside the building that are probably dishing with their own agendas in mind to paint this picture of dysfunction, largely due to Dave Tepper at the very top of the food chain, the owner. But I think it works the same way for quarterbacks. Like C.J. Stroud is so lucky he didn't go first overall to Carolina, that he did come here to Houston where the McNairs finally got it right, you know, with who should be the chain of command here, with Nick as the GM and D'Amico as the coach and let D'Amico go assemble his staff and that Nick let D'Amico go assemble his staff and, and, and that they seem to be collaborating very, very well. Um, you know, you just listen to CJ talk about the relationship he has with Bobby Slowick. And I read that article about Carolina and Bryce Young and just how dis, how just disjointed and how many different agendas and backstabbing were going on, even within the coaching staff. And if I'm Bryce Young, I'm going, God, I wish I had just fallen to number two in the draft and I'd be playing over there. And he'd be, I don't think he'd be CJ Stroud, but he would be a much better player playing here for Bobby Slowick and D'Amico Ryans than the garbage that's going on in Carolina right now. Yeah, and C.J. wouldn't be nearly as good playing for the Panthers Correct. without talent and with that kind of backstabbing coaches uh, uh, helping him in his first season as a quarterback. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep the thing going here for real or for Gazy. John, tonight the Pittsburgh Steelers host the New England Patriots in a game where the, the betting total on the points for this game between the two teams, I've never seen this before. 29 and a half on an NFL game tonight. I've never seen a game. I've never seen an NFL game under 30. I hadn't seen a college game under 30 until Kirk Ferentz started doing his stuff this year that he's been doing in Iowa. The betting total is 29 and a half. Steelers already fired their offensive coordinator this year. The offensive coordinator for the Patriots is one William O'Brien. John, for real or for gazy, Bill O'Brien's next move is back to college. I think that's for real. They brought him in there to fix Mac Jones. He hadn't been able to do it. Jones has been even worse. There were people saying he might replace Bill Belichick, which was never an option. But uh, it was it's a bad situation. He goes Bryce Young to two years. Bryce Young looked great. Maybe, maybe the Panthers will hire OB as the offensive coordinator for Bryce Young. What do you think about that? Uh, John, Bryce Young had his most successful season as a football player with Bill O'Brien as his offensive. Won the Two damn Heisman. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense the way they operate over there. You never know. Tepper might make them do it.
Oh my God, dude, that would be, that would be so delightful. Dropping O'Brien into that environment that I was reading about on the athletic yesterday with that guy as the owner. Uh, good luck. That would be uh, that'd be a whole lot of fun. Um, John, uh, next one, David Carr on the NFL network earlier this week with the Cowboys and Eagles game coming up this weekend said that right now, right now, maybe for the next couple games, Marcus Mariota gives the Eagles a better chance to win than MVP candidate Jalen Hurts. John Farilla Fugazi, David Carr got this one right. Fugazi. Everybody in the country <laughs> says he's absolutely nuts. I've seen I've seen some things about him on social media by former yeah. players, former executives. Everybody is killing David Carr. I don't know in what world that anybody would think Mariota is a better gives the gives the Eagles a better chance to win than Jalen Hurts, even if Hurts is hurt. <laughs> David Carr is cutting through on the NFL Network, John. That's what he's doing. There's a lot of former players there. It's a lot of muck you got to cut through of former players to really make your mark with your opinions. David Carr did that yesterday. Vontae, I saw the only one I saw of former players, Vontae Leach retweeted the video of it. And was like, bro, you couldn't even remember the plays when I was your teammate in 2006. <laughs> this is the most attention he's got since he set the NFL record getting sacked. Yeah, absolutely. Times. Absolutely. All right, John, a few more uh, non-Texans, non-football. Um, the NBA in-season tournament has the semifinals tonight and the finals on Saturday. John, for real or for Gazy, the NBA in-season tournament is dumb. I agree. I think it is. Now, a lot of people Stupid. may like it. I just haven't. Oh latched on to it. You know, the courts look like they've been suited for ice capades, but you know, I'm just an old fogey likes tradition, but I don't like it when soccer takes players off to have tournaments in the middle of the season. And I'm just glad they count the games, but players have a chance to make more money. We all know they're going to the poor house as it is. Yeah. Right. So I know fans like it fine, but I don't. Well, the idea is I, I actually, Sean Bajani and I talked about this when he was substituting for Seth last week, one day, and he actually had a good idea. He's like, you know, I would actually care about this if it materially affected the standings. Like the winner of the in-season tournament gets, you know, like either some sort of tiebreaker for the standings when the postseason Automatic rolls around. playoff bid. Or something like that. Maybe not that extreme, but maybe like you pick up two games in the standings or something like that. Like whatever whatever your record, let's say your record at the end of the year is, is what's it, 82 games? It's 42 and 40 really you get treated like your record was 44 and 40 or something like that, you know, like some sort of bonus couple of wins in the standings. I would be into that. Or if they started letting, uh, you know, the winning team, their season ticket holders get a 10% discount on their season tickets or something like I could care less that any of the Rockets would be making another half a million bucks. That doesn't affect me at all. Um, but if there was something that affected either the regular season or the postseason and so the real postseason in some way, or, affected me monetarily well then i'm in i'm i'm all for it i think some teams are so bad they shouldn't have been allowed in the tournament like detroit's lost 18 or 17 in a row yeah and i know the spurs are awful despite victor Wimbanyama and people want to see him but to me get them out of there let's just see the good teams yeah i'm glad you listed those two teams because like you mentioned they had the the pistons drafted kate cunningham number one overall a couple years ago in the jalen green draft Wemby was the, the huge news um Big credit to Ime Udoka. I know they haven't won a road game yet this year. They're nine and one at home, zero and eight on the road. Baby steps, I suppose, but that that the Rockets that Ime Udoka has gotten the Rockets out of that rut 
of young teams that just never learn how to win at all, you know, that they're winning only at home right now, I'll take it because they weren't winning anywhere the last three years. I think every fan would take a 500 record, go ahead and win every home game, lose all the road games. 100%. Now that lands you probably in that little play-in tournament that you got at the end of the season, that 7 through 10 thing. That's a tournament I'm okay with, the little play-in thing. I, I, yeah. I, I kind of like that. I'm down with that. All right, John, two more. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Martin Maldonado. He's gone now. Uh, the, the Astros signed Victor uh, Caterini a backup catcher. So that the writing now on the wall, Martin Maldonado will be gone. Several of his teammates posting tributes to him on social media over the last couple of days, very touching stuff. Um, the fans not quite as emotionally moved in a, in that sort of way about Martin Maldonado. A lot of Astro fans saying, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you uh, on his way out here. Um, John, for real or for gazy, Martin Maldonado's unfair treatment by Astro fans is Dusty Baker's fault. Uh, yeah, for playing him, I agree. Yes. And, uh, one of the things I saw was very interesting. You know, I had heard that, Ma that Molly won a one-year contract, come back as a back backup and a mentor. Chandler Roms wrote that they were worried that if you got him here, Fromber and Verlander, those pitchers would just insist on him catching them, and that's not what they want to do. And that's why they got the – Guy from Milwaukee, they say he's a switch hitter. He's played some other positions. I don't want him to play other positions. I want him to play catcher behind Diaz, be a mentor to him, and help Diaz take that next step. And, boy, the biggest thing Joe Espada's got to do and the pitching coaches, because I, I saw the statistical breakdown, they were among the worst in the league at, at getting the ball to home plate quicker so the catchers could throw people out. They were terrible at holding runners, and that's the biggest area improvement. One of the biggest areas improvement this this staff has got to make under spot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I and, and the, I, I totally believe that sentiment. That, I mean, that's one of the things I was saying when it was intimated that Martin could come back. I'm like, no, you got to make a clean cut. Because they, you, you got pitchers. It's going to turn into a thing. That was one of the biggest storylines with this team last year, and with Dusty last year was just how Yiner Diaz was misused, and Martin Maldonado was trotted out there seemingly every game, even though all of his skills had diminished. Hitting, catching, throwing runners out, all those things had had diminished. So I wholeheartedly agree with that, John. It would be like you get a divorce and your wife is still living in the apartment above the garage or something like that. You know what I mean? Like no. You need to move to another state, okay? <laughs> um, all right, last one, John. Uh, Taylor Swift was named the most intriguing person of 2023 by People Magazine. If they did the same list for sports, People Magazine, um, if People Magazine did the same list for sports, the most intriguing person of 2023 would be Coach Prime. Bugazi, I would pick Aaron Rodgers over Coach Prime okay, because okay. – Rodgers has been in the news all year round. Yeah. He's on national TV. Coach Prime got Sportsman of the Year, Sports Illustrated. It was just ridiculous after going four and eight. It's like they make the decision in September. But Rodgers is a weekly, daily thing around yeah. the country. I would have put him in there as the most intriguing. Okay. Well, there you go. It's a good – that is a fair argument, John. That was a fun for real or Fugazi. Very spirited. Yeah. By the way. Yeah, the Yankees get Juan Soto in a oh, trade yeah. probably for a year. Yep, and people are oh boy, he's putting the Yankees over the top back in the playoffs. You know what? He played with a much more talented team in San Diego. He had Cy Young Award winner. He had a great relief pitcher. 
He had a great city, a great stadium, sellout crowds. They cheered him like crazy, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. And the Yankees, I don't know when it came to their top, top prospects, they're going to be great to watch this year. And some people think that they have a side deal worked out with Scott Boris, that they know what they're going to pay him. I don't buy it. Boris is going to want him to go on the market, and he's going to want him to take the most money, but it'll be fun to watch them this year and see how much Aaron Judge gets hurt trying to patrol center field at Yankee State. Man, John, my analogy that I made on the show today with Seth on Payne and Pendergast was the Yankees have the Yankees have evolved into the baseball version of the Chargers to me, which is you look, you go, boy, they got a lot of big names on this team. They got a lot of talented players. They sure do put a lot of guys in the All-Star game or the Pro Bowl. Um, and boy, it seems like, you know, like there's a lot of expectations on this. This is the year they're going to break through. You know, like this is the year. And then not only do they not break through, but they seem to do they seem to not break through in the most ridiculous and disappointing ways possible for teams that are that talented. Um, And as a result, they're not scary to me like the Chargers are never scary to me, even though they've got Justin Herbert, who people think is a top five. Like Justin Herbert is the Aaron Judge in all this. Like you got Aaron Judge, who's people tout as the greatest, you know, one of the greatest hitters in baseball today. And yet not only does does the productivity not not match up with the team's success, but the body of work in the post, like we've only seen Herbert in one postseason game and he coughed up a 27, nothing lead to second year quarterback, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the, I tell me, John, is my analogy hold up for you that the Yankees are the chargers of major league baseball? Yeah. But one thing, at least Herbert's on the field judge is hurt every year. Then his yeah. contract year, he stays healthy. Then he gets his more than four hundred million, and he's hurt again. Yeah, and having everything I've read about their questions about him playing center field because Soto's awful in the outfield, and they say yeah. it's it's easier to play right field at Yankee Stadium than left field. Alex Verdugo, who they just traded for with the Red Sox, will play left. But man, what I'd, I'd like to see an over under on Aaron Judge injuries uh, in games that he misses because of injuries. Mm, I bet you can get that action somewhere, John. And if you can't call me, I'll, I'll take your action. If you want to, I'll, I'll come up with a number. I'll, I'll text you a number, John. We'll come up with, with some little friendly, little, uh, little wager. I, the thing I do like about this, this feels like the Yankees again. You well, know what I mean? Like this big deal, big news. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Winter I hate meeting. the Yankees. Yeah. I hate the Yankees. Right. A winter meeting, huge trade where they're trading seven guys to get the biggest name, young player, bat that you can get on your team i, I that part i enjoy very much because i don't think it's going to work um all right john uh that was it what do you got going on on the website leading up to sunday's game on sportsradio610.com i've got a column on uh D'Amico wouldn't be coaching in this game if it wasn't for a phone call from robert sala well, there you go all right good stuff john john i enjoyed it as always i did too sean thank you very much all right good stuff thank you for saying hi to joe alt for me as well by the way john i appreciate that and he appreciates you being such a fighting irish fan of course he does. Thank you very much. Joe, if you're listening to the podcast, pass it along to a few, several of your friends, and thank you very, very much. Big thanks to James, too. James Jackson, our producer, who makes sure that this podcast gets to you each and every time uh, quickly, efficiently. It's even more efficient when you click the subscribe button and it comes straight to your phone or your device, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. So we appreciate all of you tuning in. Jets and the Texans on Sunday. We'll be back following the game on Sunday with uh, hopefully a victorious version of the Utopia Football Podcast. So for James Jackson, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We're out of time. We'll see all of you this weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the game and uh, thanks for listening.